Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Jones of all ages, welcome to the main event of the evening. It's Talking Joe with Chief and Steve. Yo, yo! Yo, Joe! Hey, 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 it's the Chief D.O.G. Joined by you. That's Jobs, Devin. <laughs> Does not compute. <laughs> Our Chief, dude, fine, fantastic. Yo, it's yo. bright and early in sunny Queensland. <laughs> the sun is about to start streaming in over the palm trees. It's going to be an interesting time when I finally am podcasting with a shirt on. <laughs> I believe I believe winter's here. Get nippy, but uh, it's yet okay. to rear its ugly head. <laughs> How are you doing, buddy? Nice. Yes, not bad, not bad. Uh, doing well over here in the UK. A little bit colder than what you've got there. Uh, my watch says nine degrees, but I don't trust that. I think it's a bit less. Indeed. So in the loft, definitely. Oof, oof, frosty. But, or what yeah, was the yeah. word I heard once upon a time? Baltic. <laughs> Baltic, yes. Love brass that. monkeys. Brass monkeys. Been using it ever yeah. since. Oh, damn. <laughs> Why brass monkeys? I mean, I know we're getting stuck into our colloquialism section yes. a little bit ahead of schedule, but uh, brass monkeys? It's supposed to be something like the weather's so cold you could freeze freeze the balls off a brass monkey. Uh, <laughs> and I guess a brass monkey was just like a statue of a brass statue of a monkey. But if it was so cold that even those balls on that brass statue would fall off. Indeed. And so a Beastie Boys go. song. Yeah. Brass monkey. That monkey monkey. Yeah. Uh-huh. Strong, strong. Um, what have you been up to this week, son? Anything? Well, something, obviously. Every week's the same, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Very little. But, uh, I mean... Beaches uh, and and public areas are now open for like picnics and hiking and whatnot. I've been maximizing my beach time, I guess. Uh, took Kim very reluctantly for a stroll along what they call Palaranda Beach, which is this nice strip of sand. Uh, it's nice to see the world out and about and playing again. So yeah, why why was she reluctant then? She's not very outdoorsy, man. Uh, okay. She doesn't like getting sand on her toes. Okay. She doesn't like getting mosquito bites. Like, you know, the, the, the <laughs> world offers up all these terrors that her very kind of clinical existence uh, does not agree with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How about you, man? How's the week been? Yes, not bad. Uh, what have I been doing? I've been catching up on the the last dance, which is the Chicago Bulls Michael Jordan-centric ESPN documentary, which is on Netflix at the moment. It's like a 10-part series chronicling the the final year i think it was 97 98 when they won the final championship the chicago bulls and it's like all this unseen footage which michael jordan has now given the okay to publish or to, wow. to release so he had so like final is... cuts on this Man. well i think he he yeah there's lots there's lots of current sit down face to faces that must have happened over the last sort of six months to a year and then it's obviously interspliced with all this 30-year-old footage. No, not 30-year-old footage, about 20, 23-year-old footage, something like that, I guess. I don't know. This was supposed to air during the NBA Finals 
uh, series, which obviously hasn't happened because that that sport is suspended. But um, I think he wanted to get his name back out there in the limelight a bit, I guess. But anyway, that's been really good. They're only releasing two episodes a week. Just finished number six. So Mm. wait for the next two next week. And what else have I been doing? I went down a bit of a rabbit hole today. I... For another little project I was doing, I needed a quote from Face Man from the A-Team. And I ended up looking for quotes on YouTube and I ended up going down a rabbit hole and ended up watching the... It was a 2006 or 2006 Channel 4 documentary with this comedian called Justin Lee Collins. It was called Bring Back the A-Team, where he, he set himself a mission to go over to the United States, try and track down all the cast members... And get them all in a room together, apart from George Papadou, who's yeah. dead. You can have trouble with George. <laughs> but um, I was—I I found a quote early on in it, and then I just ended up watching the whole thing. I had seen it before when it aired on UK TV like 14 years ago, but I ended up watching the whole thing. That's why I was late to do my homework for this episode, because I was just ended up watching this 18 thing. But Chief, I'm curious, Face Man, I mean, obviously the most quotable character has got to be Mr. T. And then yeah. directly behind him, I suppose, Hannibal would have you know his famous i love it when a fan comes together yes but what kind of quotable quotes did did uh oh no, blanking on the name no. uh, templeton <laughs> uh, peck yeah Face templeton Man. peck exactly uh, Z- well pretty much zero it's only but i say i needed a quote from him it's because basically on the one of the podcasts i do on the out of timers the three stooges wrestling show my mate dave when i text him whatsapp him it auto corrects dave to face no. So I just started calling him Face Man is his new moniker. And I mentioned that on the podcast that I say, right, you are now Face Man. So I just wanted to put a snippet of some Face Man dialogue into the show. Buddy, when you so, say my mate Dave, it's yeah. it that phrase is such an elegiism. Yeah, yeah. Me mate Dave. <laughs> Up in the stains. Mbuyakasha. <laughs> so, I mean, I, that really dates me, but I mean, that's that's my, my cultural touchstone when you say, me mate Dave. <laughs> that's good. Deep cut. Deep cut from S-Jobs. <laughs> you could go either way. Face man or Ali yeah. G. In but, um, anyway, it sent, me down, it sent me down that rabbit hole. And what I do need to do now is I need more than life itself to do a A-team complete rewatch of all the episodes every season. So that's on the back burner. Yeah, that's big, man. And all those episodes just blur, don't they? Like, it's it's typical of the time, the sort of syndicated 80s TV show, which, you know, just resets back to to zero every episode. That's it, that's it. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Other than that, not been doing much, really. Just watching movies, watching Clone Wars episodes, um, reading G.I. Joe comics. So, yeah. But, but... I am hungry. Normally, it's YouTube <laughs> chirping in here with the hunger pangs. That's about but I, I say, normally, I eat my evening meal at 4.30pm, but I've saved it till 9.30pm for this segment. So it's time for the Snack Police. Potato chips, crisps, biscuits and candy. Washing them down with a whiskey or a brandy. Chewy sweets, cookies, built around jerky. Snacks running fear because we got them at our mercy. We're snackers. Attackers. Bad mother truckers and we're eating all the crackers. Munchers. Crunchers, knock out snacks like we're heavyweight punchers. The snack police are in there. Here's out. Right, I'm going first this week. There's a piece of dead, dry meat staring me in the face. But <laughs> All right, okay. you may indeed go first, Chief. Okay, what I have got here is a homemade Cornish pasty, 
or as the packet would tell me basically i i bought a block of short crust pastry from the supermarket so you have to roll it out and everything but it's just pre-done block instead of having to make that pastry from scratch the idea was i've got rhubarb in the garden and we've got some pears the idea was to make a rhubarb and pear tart but instead i ended up making a rhubarb and pear crumble and so I had this pastry left over and I thought today, me and the kid, we can make, and there was a recipe on the back and they were called Cornish Chunkies, which is effectively a Cornish pasty. And a Cornish pasty, I don't know if this would probably into the colloquialisms again, so you're getting <laughs> triple dosage, even quadruple dosage this week, listeners. A Cornish pasty is effectively short crust pastry. What you do is you roll it out into a circle, put your filling inside and then just kind of fold it up and crimp the top. So... Mm. Uh, nice. And the filling, the filling we put in was diced potato, diced parsnip, some herbs, some spring onions out the garden, and some like fake soya bacon. And then I was about to ask what that meat substitute was. Very clearly in the picture. Stick it in the oven. Brush it with some soy milk, and uh, here we go. Yeah, really, really good. Mm. Can't get that in any supermarket. Oh man. I'm putting up pictures and I'll send them a bit. <coughs> oh. <laughs> Easy now, too. That's it. I'll put the Good recipe up. To die you know, for. Pretty much given the recipe, but um, I'm going on mute while you tell me about your meat. <laughs> okay, so uh, in addition to biltong, the other sort of dried meat delicacy from my country of origin is something called druavos, which is just a thin sausage then hung and dried, uh, typically has beef and mutton fat in it. It's got a good snap to it. Here's, here's a piece. Yeah. Uh, but you're supposed to just stick it in your mouth, man. Mmm. So, the problem with storing drovos in North Queensland yeah. is that uh, the climate is so hot, mm, it would spoil if left outside the fridge. Unfortunately, putting it in the fridge gives it a a, a drier uh, <laughs> right. um, state than it should ever be consumed in. So, mm, I prefer my druvors a little bit more moist than this, but hey, it's not bad. I'm certainly releasing a lot of like meaty flavor in my mouth. So okay. yeah, for all you non-vegans out there, SJUB <laughs> Seven represents. <laughs> yeah. Now, would you have consumed this particular snack? At 6.22 a.m. back in your, your homestead of origin. Buddy, any time is appropriate time <laughs> for Drovos. It's a 24-7 snack. But, yeah. uh, to answer your question, no. 6.20 a.m. is for sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, man, if, yeah. you're, if you're, say, you're camping and the sun's come up by now and you can't sleep another wink and you're outside your tent, it's a very, very appropriate snack to reach for. Oh, yeah. Good, good. Mm. Right, we are, we are both satisfied mm. and that means we should probably get onto some comic talk it's comic talk it's comic talk baby chief and steve discussing like crazy larry harmer riding these bad boys making sense of the wackiest toys listen as we talk about story arcs making noise louder than junkyard box talking about character motivations and all the various gi joe fun locations mm-hmm. it's gi joe time baby Right, now let me see if I can find the right issue. Am I right in thinking we're on numbers 183 and 184? Because if we are not, I've read the wrong issues. <laughs> You're in luck, Chief. Woohoo! Ding ding! Hey, hey. <laughs> but if you do ever get it wrong, should we just like 
read whatever issue <laughs> that you've read. We might yeah. even skip a few that way. Like, whoa, yeah, that's it. Get to the that's finish it. line. Catch up um, with Mr. Harmer. Listen, what, what issue is the latest issue that's just seen print? Do you know? Is it about 280, um, something like that? I think 275 has just been given the go-ahead as coming out. Because the, the, the pencils down order has kind of echoed yeah. through the world of comic books. Got but it. I think I caught a news flash that Harmer is resuming work on 175, uh, 275. Got it. Okay. I could be wrong. So, so if we're on 183 and 184, we've got approximately just under 100 issues to go uh, at two a week. So we've got another year's worth of material for this podcast. Indeed. I mean, so, if we don't take too many uh, detours like our Showtime Showly special. <laughs> well, that was an additional extra. Woo! Yeah, man. So, yeah, there you lucky, go. Lucky, that lucky was good. listeners. Good, good times. I think people enjoyed that. So... I certainly did. I kind of, yes. in retrospect, like while I was chewing through the audio, I was like, damn, I really should have asked him a few other things. Like, there was one section where he was talking about um, the controversial content that he was putting out and like how it was upsetting Hasbro and how yeah. John Barber had to kind of sweet talk the, the suits. Yep. I'm interested to know what exactly Hasbro had a, a problem with. Hey, mm. listen, man, when you think of those questions, note them down because we, we get that man back on for a second take. Mm-hmm. Okay. First on my mind. That's it. Covers, baby. Quickly Damn. look at the covers. We just got the regular cover here by Ron Friends and Sal Bushima. And then you've got the retailer incentive from Larry. And what we've got here is Flint with Lady J kind of in wasp mode because she's <laughs> shrunk down and sitting on his shoulder. Tink, is that you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I believe in fairies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, this seems to be following the trend from Ron Friends of covers which don't really mean anything. No, and I go on further and to say, like, um, Lady J's choice of armament is very much informed by her cartoon appearances. Okay. I don't think she ever threw a power javelin, not once, in the comic book. She did, because did I she? think one of Chris's last episodes, <sighs> I think I mentioned it, that, that she was using that power lance thing. And I think in, that was maybe once. In Larry's run. Must have been. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure, yeah. Okay. Well then I take it back. Uh because it's just not a, a, a weapon that I associate with her in the pages of the comic book. It's very much a tune thing. Like it was her her only uh armament in the cartoon. Right, okay. Mm. So what's Larry's pencils here? Is it Destro? Oh, oh Destro and the chess pieces. Mm, nice call back yeah. to twenty one. In fact, yep. this artwork, I mean, it almost feels like something he could have, uh, you know, it, it could have made for one of the panels in issue 21. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm. And then uh, 184, we've got Road Pig is the small character here and Zoran is in the background. Yep, it's a nice flip, uh, reversing the, the, the genders of the, the diminutive character, yep. uh, but also very kind of abstract, like, you know, it's the, the characters involved in the story, but... I don't yeah. know. There's no there's no storyline being conveyed by the the image itself. It's a very right. safe it, artwork. I mean, it's not bad. It's it's. I think it's great. Sarana looks yeah, particularly cute. I don't yeah, know. yeah. And, and Road Pig looks pretty extreme in his pose and what he's about to do. If that is some guy's skull on the deck that he's about to crush, I mean, that is coming down with a force. Oof, brutal. I don't think we've ever seen a comic book graphic enough to demonstrate the kind of damage that a cinder block can do to the human body. Yeah, <laughs> funny books. Um, 
and then the, the retailer incentive is is that tunnel rat diffusing your bomb as well yes and this yep. is amazing yeah our chief this this artwork is oh man i'm sorry it wasn't ever finished but maybe maybe it was meant to be maybe the finish would diminish it in some way because i i, I have noted before that like when faced with Larry Harmer's pencils and then Herb Trimpey's finishes, Herb is amazing, but I wish Larry was able to finish his own artwork because some of the details get lost, some of the intentions get lost. And this is incredible. He's got a, a block of composition C4, uh, you know, plastic explosive, yep. with a detonator punched into the, the front of it. There's a 9-volt battery with the contact points lovingly uh, replicated, wires running off the contacts into a timer, into the detonator. Uh, Tunnel Rat is doing some very detailed work. And we're seeing Tunnel Rat, who is Larry Harmer's own avatar within the G.I. Joe roster, uh, actually doing some EOD work, some ordnance disposal. And what you don't know at this stage, just looking at the cover, but what on retrospect, becomes very evident the fact that this is the underside of a car. You can see the coil spring of the suspension of the car. I think that's the oil sump or something, whatever, you know. There's some bolts. Like, it's very detailed work for just a kind of a breakdown. So, yeah, hats yeah. off. Larry has done an excellent job there. That, that would have been, like you say, as a, as a Finnish inked piece, that would have been fantastic. Mm, mm, yeah. Very, very nice. Right, so before we crack into the contents and we break open the egg, let's find out what happened last time on A Real American Hero. Dark Lon has escaped from the pit, G.I. Joe's main headquarters. But this is just part of a bigger plan. G.I. Joe allowed him to escape in order to track his activities and figure out his role in the disappearance of a nuclear-triggering device from Castle Destro. Zorana, Road Pig and Pale Peony have set out to find the device as well. Meanwhile, Cobra Commander has decided to transplant Cobra's American headquarters from Broca Beach to the West Coast. Clutch and Rock and Roll follow the Cobra convoy to their new destination. I wonder if it's kind of standard operating procedure for like a top secret military group. If you've failed to get any further information out of your captive, you just release them into the wild in order to (laughs) (laughs) monitor them. I suppose yeah. it could be. It's as you know, as good a, a tactic as any, but a yeah. dangerous yeah. one. I'm sure they could have figured out how to get his helmet off, Darklon's helmet, and you know, held him longer. Or maybe it was, uh, you know, it was some sort of legislation that they weren't able to hold him longer uh, for yeah, legal reasons. So they had to turn him over to the yeah. you know, international criminal courts. Yeah, and they thought a better option. They wouldn't get anywhere that way. So the better option is to let him go. Yeah. Foxy writing, man. Larry's yeah. one step ahead of us. <laughs> <laughs> um, now then, this issue starts, and, and that synopsis has, has kind of told us that Cobra is up in sticks and moving to the West Coast. Now, this does feel just a little bit like, okay, we need to freshen it up. Let's just move from one town to another. And I guess that's what it is. And interestingly, you see it's it's Northern California at the start and kind of a rundown almost community area and there's three kids breaking in and mucking about and does this writing date larry because he's got the kids saying this is skeeving me out and 
I thought all white folks looking the same was whack. So <laughs> I don't know. When was the last time you were down NorCal side of the world, Chief? True, uh, true that, true that player. True that. I I don't know, but yeah, this was about eight years ago. Was it dated for now, or was it dated for 2012, or was it always dated? As as Showtime Shirley says, comic books are written in the eternal present, man. So yeah, I guess it was never dated when these kids were saying it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm just trying to stick up for the man. Why do you think that it's a bit naff? They do notice that all the guys, all the guys look the same because, of course, they are Fred series Crimson Guardsmen. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> once again, man, dubious as to the practical application of having an entire bus full of dudes in not only the same face but dressed identically too. I mean, yeah, huh? yeah. <laughs> and something else that had me scratching my head was like, yeah. okay, it, it, uh, his tank is it comes in at under ten tons, uh, okay. so a semi truck could carry a his tank cross country, and the imp, which is the tank directly behind it in the in the box, but yeah. those ramps that they have the his tank driving down. I'm just like, whoa, man, an entire tank's weight being carried on those. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know anything about stress tests and carrying capacity, but like it just on the panel, it looks strange to me. And also, you know, if they've got 100 his tanks, does that mean there's 100 of these semi trucks as well? Yeah. Big move, mm, brother. Um, quick shout out before we go any further. Obviously, these two issues written by Larry. We've got art on both by SL Gallant, inks by Gary Erskine, and colors by Jay Brown, just to give shout outs there. These two issues combined very much felt movie-ish. They felt like almost like a Tom Clancy novel kind of thing. There's there's not an overly large amount of action, but there's a lot of strings being pulled and plots to keep up with and people running around behind the scenes. And it just felt that this could be adapted to a movie. Indeed. Though we do get some action, the Chief. I mean, it, like, yeah, we do, yes. There's, there's yeah. some full auto stuff happening in the next issue um, with all rock and roll and yeah, of clutch. Um, but this stuff, yeah, sure, it's setting up Cobra's new HQ. Love, love, love the sequences with the Fang helicopter catching those three kids in its spotlight. Right, okay. Because once again, that sort of blinding white technique used on the page to create a light source is incredible. Yeah. Sort of giving the the fang, instead of its machine gun armaments in the front, it's got a great spotlight. And then yeah. I think we've all seen them, those sort of like chopper footage uh, from like uh, you know, famous chases that they love showing off in, in the United States, um, where they kind of, the guy's uh, exited the vehicle, and he's now on foot. And yep. you got this sort of top-down helicopter with the lights. And it made me think of the fact that the engine roar of that helicopter is deafening without any onomatopoeia on the page would you agree yeah true you're seeing true. you're seeing wind sweeping yeah. the trees you're seeing bits of grass grass and leaves being kicked yeah. up scrap paper it's a great contrast those literal two panels next to each other the first one is the view from the fang pilot like you say everything's dark but he's got the spotlight on the three people who are kind of carrying and there's wind blowing in that and then like you mentioned the next panel it's just completely silhouetted because now you've got the view from the ground up to the chopper with that Beautiful. blinding light and it's, it's two great panels back to back very cinematic and as i say like the the sound of that fang is very evident yep. even though they don't, don't have a single word yeah very good very good and, nice and 
I've written down, so when I was kind of talking about the potential complexities from a plot point, I mean, it's fairly easy to follow what's going on, but just from overall where it's going. So you've got Cobra, who, like you say, are moving to the West Coast, but then you've got, and all these factions end up converging in the same place. So you've got the uh, Emirate of Benzene, you've got Farood, who is the like the general, isn't he, who used to be part of the, the Benzene army. Then you've got the Dreadnoughts and Pale Peony, you've got the Joes, and you've got Destro, and you've got Darklon. So actually, all apart from Destro, all those other forces end up converging in Darklonia because they're all they've all got an agenda. Actually, no, Destro does, of course, because he breaks into the boardroom and Tunnelrat has foiled the plot with the bomber, which was supposed to kill Destro. Then Destro strolls into the boardroom with Farood and Darklon, and then obviously that's going to play out in subsequent issues. But they're all there, and it's all about this crypt. I'm going to keep calling it Krypton. All about this Krypton <laughs> device, which is able to remotely set off nuclear warheads. And yeah, look, I, I've I've talked quite a lot there, and I've probably even confused myself. But there's there's a lot of meat meat on the bones for this issue. Did you take it as a given that the bomber was Zartan? No, I did not think the bomber was Zartan. Okay, yeah, I didn't either. But Zartan was using that as his cover. The guy with the cap, the sort of air conditioning repairman. Okay, let me have a look, yep. He morphs into Zartan uh, when he meets up with uh, Road Pig, Zoran and Pale Peony. Okay, so we're thinking Zartan's in bed with Darklon. Uh, to try and eliminate Destro, yes. Okay, Or, right. alternatively, Zartan is playing his own angle, which is, uh, let's score points with Cobra Commander, let's wipe out Destro. Right, okay. But yeah, it does seem like yeah he's he's very much uh, at this stage um, working for for Darklon. I don't know. It's 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 a guy with a cap and a moustache, and that's either established as Zartan or it could be someone completely different. Maybe Zartan based his look on. Where's where's Zartan with the? Oh, what you're saying when Zartan appears with Zorana and Roadpig? Yes, you're saying that is potentially the same guy. Uh, okay, let me find He's that. Wearing a different colour shirt. But yeah, I thought he was the same guy. I thought he was just playing like a, a security guard or something when he appeared there. Not an air conditioning guy. Yeah, he's got a cop. He's got a cop. He's got a hat on. He's he's appearing as a cop. Okay, but different uniform. I see what you're saying. But same tash and tash and glasses. I think are the only distinguishing features which are the same. But okay, maybe it is. Well, you probably know that it is Zartan. But I'm reading mm. these issues with not as much memory and I'm making the assumption up to the end of issue 184 that that is not Zartan. But okay, well, okay, flick forward to page 20 and uh, cap, moustache, blue shirt, talking to Darklon on the phone. Yeah. I'm still saying that's not Zartan myself. Okay. But, gotcha. but I'm happy to be wrong and find it a nice surprise if in future issues it does turn out to be Zartan. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's not uncommon for Zartan to be playing all the angles. Yeah. Do yeah. you like Baroness with uh, the corset and no Cobra symbol? Uh, I prefer it with the Cobra symbol. Yeah, design-wise, it just looks a bit uh, less exciting. I mean, there's yeah. no visual, I don't know, rallying point, for lack yeah. of a better term. It's just like... It's a simple addition, but it adds so much more than just being there for the sake of it doesn't it like you say it's like a uh like a focal point almost rather than just a yeah a bland skin tight black kind of suit it just it just gives it more stature almost 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks very, very plain, very, I don't know, um, old maid. Uh, would, yeah. it, would it be out of place to put a Destro symbol there? I don't know. Ooh. The weird thing with Destro's symbol is it incorporates his head. <laughs> and his head's Which... in her cleavage, as you're saying. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, who? Hot dog. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, I, I think I mentioned previously, Are they? is, is Larry rewriting Darklon as this kind of super intelligent master strategist which we hadn't seen before and again we get something here which is which we haven't seen before when he lands that pythonized fighter back in darklonia he's greeted as if he's almost cobra commander from his troops it's like he's getting out of the thing and everyone's cheering him and you know rallying around him as if he's this massive figurehead much in the same way that cobra commander is for the cobra troops and I don't think Darklon had ever been portrayed in that vein before, really. Well, let's not overlook the fact that during the classic G.I. Joe run, he had control of a small nation, named after himself. Uh, yeah, I guess I, guess, I guess I couldn't see the wood for the trees there, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting that uh, the people, or at least his sort of military leadership, are still so in love with him. I mean, it's been a number of years and he's been basically running the show in hiding. I don't know what that does to your kind of national uh, sensibility. You know, like, how do the people connect with a leader who's leading from the shadows? But uh, as far as his, his inner circle is concerned, they, they, they love the guy. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Which is ironic because, you know, flick uh, 10 or so issues back and all their brothers were being massacred by the G.I. Joes. That's it. It brings an answer to a question I had where... Surely if Darklon knows, we said there's that bit where he knows that they know that he knows. So if he's that intelligent, why hasn't he figured out that they've probably put a tracking bug on him? But he does actually mention it here as he's on the table. The with a Techno Viper with yeah. no Cobra symbol on his chest. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I yeah. like the, the use of actual troops that, you know, established uniform types. But this is obviously meant to not be a Cobra Techno Viper. They just kind of... Take the uniform anyway, and just yeah, I suppose exactly. un- unpick the uh, the stitching <laughs> of the cobra symbol. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got a question about the cobra pythonized conquest. Okay. Yes. Shoot. So we are now taken to believe that it is full on uh, Wonder Woman invisible jet mode yes. style of of like stealth. It visually disappears. But are we also taking the fact that it has a vertical takeoff and landing capability? Well, it Must looks be. like it does because he's coming down. He's coming down the road, and then all of a sudden he's landed, and then yeah. Well, I don't it know. Seems I'd, it seems it to be seems hovering. To stop, it seems to stop abruptly, and then you're right. The front wheel does appear to be off the ground, so maybe they have incorporated some VTOL in there as well. Yeah. Once again, when he lands in benzene. Yep. Yeah, does that look like it's hovering to you? It it looks like it's coming down vertically. Yes, yes. So they mm, have built new tech into that into that, which Bravo. I I'm gonna guess is very difficult to modify a jet to do that. But anyway, um, I do want to call out some ninja bullshit. I think Duke is a ninja. <laughs> I think Duke oh. is a ninja because he has been able to spot that in the back of a truck, a junk truck. There's three. BMX bikes and he's noticed that there was no rust on and the chains are cleaned so uh, that clearly signifies that there were three kids that got kidnapped and Cobra behind it mm-hmm. well <laughs> ninja bullshit perhaps but uh, I don't know man Duke's, Duke bullshit Duke is uh, the deus ex machina like yeah. n- and nothing slipped past him 
That's it. Shit. Um, you mentioned that Larry Harmer incentive cover where Destro has got the chess pieces, and you said that could have been a, a panel ripped straight out of, out of you know maybe issue twenty one perhaps. But we do actually get that in this comic as well. We do get him whipping out the chessboard, and he's got all the pieces on here, and he has to explain to Baroness who Pale Peony is, etc. And so we get a bit more exposition about her background. Now, here's a quick question. I know you're not a necessarily a big fan of characters that don't have action figures and i forget who it was but someone did point out that the blue ninjas did have figures of a of a kind now pale peony did she, was she just a comic book creation or <laughs> i'm gonna go with yes and i do think she has her origins in the devil's due storm shadow series yes i think that was also pointed out by a listener i think dave reese on the facebook actually pointed that out yeah yeah now again i've got all those devil's due issues haven't read them in years and years so cannot remember anything about them so that will there you go there's a spin-off special for us to do the devil's (laughs) due stuff um but yeah so as but as at this as of this moment in time she has no action figure is that correct I don't think so, no. Though Destro's very good at keeping his chess pieces up to date. Not only has he got uh, Pale Peony uh, to put on the board, but also a Crytron. Um, We now get to see exactly what this MacGuffin looks like. It seems to be like a, 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 I don't know, a cylinder of bullets, really, that you would use to sort of auto-load or reload a, a revolver. Yeah, and also he's got, I think I said the General Farood. It's actually Colonel Farood who's the head of the newly formed Republic of Benzene and, of course, the Emir of Benzene. So he's got those clad in red figures. So all the pieces there, and he says, and Baroness says, what's the Joes going to do? He just basically tips the box of Joes onto the board. <laughs> Always. The agents of chaos, huh? That's it. Love it. Love it. More ninja bullshit. Are we going to touch on old uh, Storm Shadow meeting up with Demon Demon Auntie? Uh, Demon, Demon Granny. Granny? Yep. yep. Ah. So paying his respects to Billy, it's incredible how killed so offhand unceremoniously is the word uh, but his death's reverberations are still being felt which is yeah. a testimony to you know like it's good writing larry doesn't kill his darlings lightly no it might no, happen it's... you know in the moment but like we're still mourning it yeah i do want to obviously point out that the joe's involvement here because they've got guys in benzene as well they've managed to get dusty airtight and tunnel rat as boots on the ground because they're they're under some eod mission out there Mm. there we go it's your man airtight yeah yeah you're still not a fan of him are you really it's nice to see him in his classic gear and then (laughs) when they're in their sort of mufti or their their covert stuff they still wear clothes that kind of accent the same features shall we yeah. say so his his shirt has these kind of green strips it's very like a florida keys kind of yeah. college shirt i think my favorite line from 184 my favorite line of dialogue is cobra commander and mindbender are driving around in the first few pages in this convertible and i like the fact that cobra commander's got the gear he wore when they when him and destro escaped from the pit back in the 50s the marvel Incredible. issues like 55 i think it was unmasked unmaskings that's it, unmaskings. Yeah. And he's got that same fake tash, beret, and a kind of trench coat on. But when they get out of the car, <laughs> Mindbender basically just strips off his shirt. And his favorite, my favourite line is, nice to get back into my cape. Travelling in mufti <laughs> is such an inconvenience. <laughs> Incredible. Oh, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, they should have gone one step further and said, nice to hang my, my codpiece back in its rightful place. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, as you know, hey, he's got a heavy piece of tin. That's it, there. that's it. <laughs> Damn. Oh, that is great. What do you make of the recurring motif of clutch and rock and roll once again, you know, at the mercy of uh, Cobra Command? It's a recurring trope, isn't it? And... I don't know, is it getting old? But I think this is, I think we mentioned this previously, or whether it was me and your, or me and Chris, I can't remember, my memory is obviously so bad. But Larry had come on to the IDW series with a big gap from the Marvel series, how mm-hmm. much memory he himself had. Uh, and actually, this is this is a good point, because before recording, the, the missus had this IQ program every year in the uk the bbc does this iq program for like an hour and a half where they test the nation's iq and you can they've got people in the studio doing tests you can take the test online etc and literally before coming on they put up a graph that showed problem solving memory spatial awareness all those things when you hit mid 30s they all actually start to decline so it's not like when you're 40, you're at your peak of mental prowess. It's before that. It's mid-30s. And in some instances, some of these things are actually late. Problem-solving is actually late 20s you're at your peak. A 40-year-old has the same problem-solving capabilities as a 12-year-old, apparently. I feel it coming, Chief. I think I, I must have hit my peak uh, in my mid-20s, but, man. But what um, I'm saying is memory was... what. Obviously, that's common sense that memory declines over time, but it declines at a much more rapid rate than people think. People think, okay, when you're in your 60s and 70s, they've started forgetting things, but it actually happens a lot sooner. You know, when you start hitting 40, your your memory actually starts failing you from then onwards. But with Larry, that big gap in between the Marvel and IDW series, maybe he kind of forgot how much he had previously used clutch and rock and roll in these situations. I don't necessarily think totally because maybe he's think maybe he's thinking i know i use these guys it'd be cool to do it as a a callback almost or an homage to when i previously did it oh yeah look he definitely references their first uh capture by cobra you know on the, one of the final pages it, i think it is in fact the final page mindbender is musing over the fact that he used the same operative under the brainwave scanner and he now wants to use clutch again using different scientific means to to i suppose extract information so it's kind of like a a, a test and a control group <laughs> essentially you get to use yeah. the same guy twice incredible so larry definitely is cognizant and aware of the fact that this has all happened before i just imagine why like why is rock and roll and clutches kind of mo to be the undercover guys i don't think they're necessarily the best men for the job and they certainly no. have blown their cover already they absolutely massacred uh, an suv of cgs in the last issue yeah the well, issue did, don't, last... doesn't someone mention that they've not gone awol but they've gone off script because they were only supposed to trail that convoy weren't they and they've now intervened and i'm pretty sure someone says it appears rock and roll and clutch may have violated orders and entered rancho cobra yeah they, sure they're definitely says. going uh, you know on their own means yeah, but but what is their end game? Like, what was their plan? <laughs> yeah, what was their plan exactly? I, I don't know. You know, this this is a heavily take on the whole of Cobra, heavily armed and heavily populated enemy installation, and there's two of them. They get these three kids, and this reminds me of issue 100, where the, oh, yeah. they rescue the kids, and you know, one of the kids or two definitely actually pick up a machine gun and start you know, engaging the enemy in fire, and this was where back in Millville. 
where Spirit and Mutt were there, they've got a ragtag band of youths or utes, and um, <laughs> they, they kind of arm them up. And it was it was a bit it was a bit he- heavy heavy storytelling with these these youngsters waging war with these killing weapons and stuff. And the same thing happens here. Oh yeah, uh, except now it's informed by video game culture. Yeah. Like the kid that picks up the assault rifle, he's like, "I've I've been trained on first-person shooters." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know about that so much, but yeah, I suppose. I mean, it's becoming more and more realistic. Yeah, uh, actually loading your weapon. Jeez. My last note is that Destro has really shiny gloves, Chief. <laughs> when he lets the wrist rockets off. He has a mirror shine in those gloves. Did you notice? He does, yeah. There, yeah, that is strong. Like you can see himself and Baroness reflected. In- so it, it says to me that like not as only is he wearing the beryllium steel on his face, but on his hands as well. I mean, that guy must have crazy grip strength because like he's going to work out all the time. I'm sure that yeah. stuff isn't as flexible as like latex. <laughs> no, can't be, surely. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> But it certainly it stops your hands from becoming a toast, I guess. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit I've written down here that I did want to mention. Someone says something security wanks, <laughs> and I'm not sure you know that means the same thing in the states as it does in the UK. But I can't find the bit in the issue now. Mm, who, yeah, who it's, it? it's 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 Dusty or perhaps uh, Tunnel Rats talking about Colonel Farood's guys. Yeah. Ah, I found it. Uh, looks like the security wanks are out in full force at this pop stand. So, yes. Is that American another... reception of uh, British colloquialism? Yeah, that's 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 definitely a colloquialism there in the UK. Um, but anyway, maybe they didn't want to add the ERS because yeah. uh, that's <laughs> yeah. perhaps getting a little bit too graphic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think it works in that context? Would an American undercover guy say security wanks? Mate, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what 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 it means effectively from a from a US as a US word. Well, clearly we need to get an American on this show, buddy. Yeah, we are, yeah. of course, talking about a real American hero. It's high time. High time. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Would you ever consider three people? Third time's the charm. No, you're third time's the charm. You're the third guest host. Three is the three is the magic number. No, yeah. no, no. I mean, yeah. three people in the mix at once. I don't know. Well, have you got someone in mind? I don't know, buddy. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm just spinning my wheels here. Spitballing. But altogether, a fun set of issues. I mean, there's intrigue. Yeah. There's certainly great characters going on. Bomb defusal. Security yeah, I do guards. like that bomb defusal scene. That's quality. Mm. Not so mad about uh, Clutch and Rock and Roll trying to invade Rancho Cobra on their own. But no. hey, we'll see where that leads. I mean, it led to the inevitable capture of, of pretty much half of them. Uh, yes, <laughs> oh, I, had, I had fun with these issues, and I, I am intrigued to see where it's going. So, you know, if I was going to yo-jo it again, I'd give it probably you know a mid seven, something like mm-hmm. that, mid to high seven, because I, I really enjoyed what was going on. But I think it's part of a larger storyline, so I'll see if it does dovetail into a, an ending or not before I yo-jo the actual whole arc. Indeedy. Listen, we've talked about comics, but right now we need to talk about toys, and you're going to do that right now. Steve talks about toys, ho ho. Steve talks about G.I. Joe. He talks about all the toys from the comic book and the animated show. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. 
Steve talks about toys. Alright, Chiefy, let me throw you some images, buddy. Here he goes, sending me the pics. Fortunately, one thing I did remember to do is charge my phone, because way too often I've been in the loft with 2% battery and no charger. (laughs) Is it someone from this issue? Oh, do you want to play a little guessing game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, before I hit send, who do you think I've selected? If it's someone from this issue, I'm saying Tunnel Rat. <laughs> Very close. Here's the picture. Hey, hey, my man Airtight. Buddy, you tell me this is one of your top two action figures. Uh, I don't think I said top two. I think I said top two of um, hazardous environment troopers. Huh, okay, well that's a little bit of a backpedal from what I assumed, which, you know, he was up there with barbecues, like, just action figures that set your imagination aflight. I was hoping okay. we, could, we could get into that. But right. shall we Shall we have a little read at the file card and see yes, what, uh, what goodies that uh, reveals to us? His specialty is Hostile Environment, codename Airtight, file name Schnur, Kurt. Primary military specialty, CBR, chemical, biological, and radiological warfare. Secondary military specialty is ordnance. Nice. Stuff that go boom. Yep. Place of birth, a New Haven, Connecticut, and his grade is E4. Kurt was the kid who could hold his breath the longest. He was also the kid who had the largest collection of plastic dinosaurs on the block. He was a weird kid who grew up an even stranger adult. It takes a mighty weird person to walk into a cloud of toxic gas strong enough to fell a mutant weightlifter cockroach wearing a protective suit built under contract for the government by the lowest bidder. Airtight is an unreformed practical joker. Sneezing powder, plastic bath, whoopee cushion, the whole bit. No prank is too low for him. You'd think that other Joes would hate his guts. But they don't, because when the bad guys escalate the firefight and start playing dirty, it's old Airtight who suits up and wades into the thick of it. Hey, how many times does the word weird crop up in that uh, first paragraph? (laughs) Yeah. Clearly, what they were going for was, like, this guy was Big Bang Theory level of, like, geekdom before that was a, a thing, you know, before that was cool. Yeah. Which is great. I mean, we can all uh, identify with that level of, like nerdiness i suppose because we're all big nerds except this is a big nerd who made the gi joe bill for some reason yeah i guess you know he must have done his research i always get a little bit antsy that um guys with supposed knowledge on the team always rank so lowly like he's an e4 he's an enlisted man but like he's the guy out there diffusing dirty bombs basically yes yes. Mm. i have no reference point for rankings or gradings so e4 where does it go from there uh like an e5 i think is a sergeant like an e4 is a corporal if i'm not mistaken when e5 i don't know he's he's beneath sergeant and like okay. then you got sort of master sergeant and that, that that's sort of the top end of the the enlisted ranks but he's right, kind okay. of in the middle he's kind of where most joes are at yeah. uh which they basically like just up from like privates really Okay, if, interesting. If, if, like two two pay grades up from privates, which isn't very high in the chain of command at all. But no. I guess that was the idea. Like you wanted a team of guys on the front line. You didn't want you didn't want troops that had desk duties. Basically, these are all the guys in the thick of the action, the infantrymen yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Now, now one of the reasons why I think I liked this guy back in the day, and it didn't specifically didn't come up in conversation last week, but I love 
that file card art. Ah, yes. Glad you got onto that. There's something very intriguing about the art, and this, I believe, is a Garrido original, so it okay. is beautiful. But his accessory, I don't think, had been defined at this point, because what you see him holding is a German paratrooper weapon, right? FG-42, right. which has been slightly modified to have that vacuum cleaner nozzle in the front, that dust buster. Yeah. But, I mean, the reference that Garrido is using is definitely an old German paratrooper weapon from okay. the Second World War. Right, I think I it. sent you a reference snap. And yeah, you did, yeah. yeah. I'm speaking mainly about the top uh, weapon in that image because it's got a very swept back pistol grip and a very distinctive uh, buttstock, which has the sort of those ribbings yeah, and a kind of yeah. a very peaked top edge. Like a shark fin almost, isn't it? Yeah. Big time. The the foregrip, which is made of wood, is also very, very distinctive in old uh, Kurt Schnurr's artwork. Yeah, yeah. That's a good-looking weapon. I like, I like the look of it. Well, I must say, that artwork was misleading to me and so many kids. When you see this thing that looks very much like an automatic weapon, and then you take the accessory piece out of the package, and you're like, hang on. What the hell is this? <laughs> He's got a vacuum cleaner, yeah. <laughs> How did you use it in your playtime, Chief? Because this is a figure that I avoided like the plague, man. I saw him yeah. hanging on pegs and I'd, I wanted nothing to do with him. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I, I want to suggest that I had him spraying some kind of biological agent from that gun. Ah, so it was an offensive weapon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, much more exciting. I mean, I, I, th I think the more... I suppose a uh, rational adult explanation is that it is a sniffer for detection of uh, bad stuff, the sort of canary yes. in a mine, yep. but then can probably be used to dispose of it because the accessory piece has the port for a, one of the standard G.I. Joe black hoses, which then runs to the back of the pack, which uh, the, the, the file or the card says is a compressor. I right. presume that means it can then suck up and compress bad stuff. Uh, for disposal at a later stage. But what's interesting about the backpack, and this is such a nice touch, is that it has a very distinctive hose uh, that you attach to a C-clip at the top of it, which then gives airtight a sort of direct air supply. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's assumed that he's sucking on the, the exact same toxic fumes that he's sucking up with the, the sniffer. No. no, 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 that would be bad. Unless, like, you got really sci-fi and that somehow he was able to recycle the stuff into breathable air. Yes. That would be some pretty sophisticated gear to have on his backpack. I think one of the things I didn't like about the figure was that hose was just too long. Oh, really? Yeah. The the hose that runs from the weapon or the sniffer into the backpack. Yeah, that's right, yeah. It just made made posing and setting up just a little bit more tricky. You know what? I completely ignored immediately all of those black hoses because I also found them to be a bit cumbersome. Of yeah. course, they just don't have the same flex that a hose at the accurate scale would have. You know, so it always would be too rigid and would kind of like stand out from the, the figure in ways that a hose wouldn't naturally kind of sling. Yeah. So yeah, I just always assumed it to be there without actually adding it. I was one of those kids. Yeah. I had a Hydra Viper that sort of could okay. breathe by more internal pipings. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the Hector Garrido card art that 
was modelled on that weapon with the vacuum cleaner nozzle or on the end. But then you've also sent me pictures of the, uh, I think this is Herb Trimpe art, of air, airtight from uh, an Action Force intelligence profile. And here he's got that gun without the vacuum cleaner dustbuster, and it does look like he's been using the the reference photo for that. You know, all oh, that yeah. machine gun. It's yeah. definitely a machine gun in in Trimpe's artwork. This is from the GI Joe Order of Battle. Right. Yeah, man. Which also gives his name a hyphen. He's air tight in <laughs> in that order of battle. Yeah, right. But apart from that, it just kind of expounds the details a little bit more. Um, what is interesting to note is that artwork then gets reversed by the Action Force guys yeah. in their intelligence profile, which I suppose you'd get in the weeklies, the Action Force weeklies. That's right. Yeah, I've got that. Yep, yep. So it resets his birthplace to West Germany in Munich. Yeah, that's it. Yep. They did that with a lot of the characters in these in, in these Action Force intelligence profiles. They gave a vast percentage of them European birthplaces. And... A cool detail that they've added or seen fit to add is that by growing up in West Germany, he served prior to Action Force in the German GSG-9, which is like a specialized anti-terrorist task force. Okay. Uh, I think Germany formed that after the uh, the massacre of the Israeli Olympic team in oh, the Munich. 70s. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Well, then huge re- uh, relevance to his birthplace. Yeah. But it's nice to know that at least in the Action Force reset of the character, that he earned his stripes in a sort of an intervention team, a sort of anti-terrorist team, before he got interested in chemical, biological, and radiological warfare, yeah. Or, yeah. or NBC warfare, which is, I suppose, the term of that era. Uh, I forget what it is now. I think m- maybe it is now a- NBC, but uh, CBR was quickly phased out as the term. Okay. All of that information, I have to credit HCC788. I always shamelessly watch his reviews prior to these (laughs) toy talk sections. And HCC is a font of wisdom. If you don't know his stuff and you are interested in uh, action figure reviews, the man is very comprehensive and can be found on YouTube. He's reviewed pretty much all the heavy hitters from the classic 82 to 94 run, including the vehicles. Good. Good. Yeah, man. Um, I do quickly want to touch on this, the first two pics you sent me. Now, this is an updated version of the figure. All right. Starting in 2008, there was a direct-to-consumer edition, which is basically you would buy this action figure directly from Hasbro and have it mail-ordered to you. It was not available at retail. I think that was a great idea. I wish they would do that more. But I think this was a late addition to that wave. And so he was then sold as an exclusive in the, I'm going to say the Jocon of that year. I'm not so hot on those facts. I I must say Chris Diagnostic 80, Mr. Boots on the ground. Uh, he was probably um, the man to ask as to what, what the release was like back then. Yep. But it's it's not bad. He finally has a removable helmet. Yeah, yeah. And a, and a gun. And a gun. (laughs) Very science fiction. But I must say, everything was trumped by the 2011 release, I'm going to say. Version 3 of Airtight on Yojo.com, which is the Airtight that we've all been waiting for. He has a removable helmet. 
He has uh, exchangeable gear. The vest, the green portion of his uniform is removable, so you can basically have him in a sort of a, a bulky um, hazmat suit without any of the additional adornments. It is incredible. Uh, I'd say it's the ultimate expression of an airtight figure, and you finally get to see his face. Okay, you can't remove the, the hazmat kind of hood, but you can remove the helmets, the glass or the 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 faceplate finally has an opaque section which was always a bit of a tease on the original you know you're always meant to assume that he's got a sort of glass front what is your opinion on the non-removable helmets (laughs) with the black speed stripes i i don't mind it i don't don't mind it it. you know from (sighs) back in the day i think that was something i was used to with we previously mentioned barbecue and the Cobra Troopers, the t- any of the Vipers, it was just, uh, okay, fine, that's, remo- that's a non-removable helmet, and I was absolutely fine with it. I didn't have a problem with non-removable helmets with Joes, because, I mean, my first Joes were, like, mainframe and lifeline. They all had hats or helmets, which was a, a practical thing to have on the battlefield. You know, you want to protect your noggin. Yeah. But when it comes to something as, as concealing as airtights, like full helmets, you know, with yeah. face mask. It does distance you from the character and unfortunately limits his application. Like, I could never... And it, it, it kind of cheapens the action figure's adaptability for me. And that's why I, I think I say I steered clear from him. Because I could never get a handle on who this guy was. There was never any kind of reveal. He could never kind of be walking around base. Because he was always wearing the full helmet. Yeah, fair, Which I think fair. is unfortunate. And like, yeah, to this day... I still haven't totally warmed to him, but yeah, man, it's it's great that you did that you were a fan back in the day. So yeah. different strokes for different folks. That was that was pretty much solely not solely, but that was guided by his action force appearances. I think he had more appearances in that. You know, he wasn't in every issue, but more appearances than that, obviously, than in the real American hero stuff. And I think I gravitated towards any of the characters that were featured in the action force comic. Because that was my first and primary introduction to G.I. Joe. Yeah. Uh, from in a, in a comic format. He tended to be more on model in Action Force as well. Like, they'd use him on mission with the helmet. Correct. Whereas, like, his first appearance in the G.I. Joe comic in issue 44, he I don't think he ever wore his helmet. I right. mean, if he, if he had wore his helmet, he probably would have been impervious to the sleeper bombs. Yeah, you know the spores yeah. <laughs> that uh, that knock out the Joe team in that yeah. that issue. That's it. Uh, the feature in uh, uh, Transformers versus GI Joe, obviously. Exactly, man. Yeah, nice, yeah. nice. If you haven't watched our episode with Showtime Shirley or listened to our episode with Showtime Shirley, give it a spin, listeners. Give it a spin. Yeah. Give it a spin. Listen, uh, educated as always is the chief from this segment, but now it's time to go from education to confusion because it's time for Commonwealth Colloquialisms, a.k.a. Over Egg in the Pudding. We got a pudding. We got a pudding. We're gonna over egg that pudding. Ain't got no criticisms. We got some Commonwealth Colloquialisms. <laughs> Oh, Chief, very timeous. If I was to talk about snags in Australia... Yes, yes. uh, We're going to get some snags. Yes. uh, What would I be talking about? Um, You're probably going to be barbecuing sausages. What? Yeah. Oh, I failed. (laughs) Failed to confuse the Chief. Okay, are snags 
Is that is that um, something that you would say in the, the, the British Isle? No, not at all. Not at all. It's only <laughs> okay. because it, my auntie, who I spoke to this morning, lives in Australia. And, you know, she has, you know, for the last however long, 30 years, always referenced them as snags. So <sighs> Inside edge. Yes. All right. How about you? So me... Um, I'm going to say this word and then I'm going to use it in a sentence. So, narked. Mm. Do, do you want not, to put it in a sentence? Not a reference to the video game. Oh, is it uh, like a like a bust? Like the cops have just raided you? Uh, no, it's not. It's ah, N-A-R-K-E-D. Mm. Narked. If oh, I yeah, told you sentence. I was knocked off. Uh, like hacked off, pissed yeah. off. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay, knocked. Yeah. Jeez. Any idea like what it's derived from? Uh, zero, zero, and I could not be bothered <laughs> to Google it. So if anyone wants to Google it or tell me, uh, feel free to put it in the comments of any of our social media posts. I'm very tickled that just tonight you used uh, bats in the cave <laughs> with Evelyn. I did. Yeah, man. Great stuff. She's into it now. She's. I, I tried explaining schnollies to her, but that, <laughs> that did not go down well. And then I, I switched it up to bats in the cave. So, so yeah, off-air listeners, uh, I don't think this is a colloquialism necessarily, but it's a phrase for having uh, any boogers in your nose, uh, to have bats in the cave, little euphemism there. Okay, oh right, yes, because we talked about that off-air, didn't we? Yeah, Indeed. so proper confusing people then. <laughs> Something that's very peculiar to my region in particular, if you say the word awe, it is like a catch-all. It's like, it means great. It's like asking a question, how are you? It's right. like, which means, uh, how's it going? My mother's child, which is right. like a term, in, a term of endearment. Okay. Um, but yeah, in, in Cape Tonian slang, is like, if you use that as your greeting, you're definitely, definitely a local boy. Okay, right. Now, what's happened there is you've given the South African... Uh, colloquialism, but you did not give me an option to guess. Oh, shit, son. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I just, I wanted to roll in strong, man. That's it. You're rolling in hot and heavy there. I like it. I like it. It's good. All right. So when you when you see me in the streets, what are you going to say? Give it to me one more time. Away. Away. Perfect. I like go. your inflection, Chief. You know, you've got a very musical ear. Very, very good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So there'll be more more confusion next week. I've actually thought of a new one that I use today. So let me just get a pen quickly. I've got a post. I've got a post it. Save note. it up. Post it note that I'm going to write down there. That is my one for next week. Stick it on the monitor there, so I will not forget. So all good times for the chief. Less homework to do there. Um, <laughs> but we did give the listeners homework because now it's time for. We ask you a question. We ask you a question. Listeners respond. Chief forgets the words when we ask you a question. Genius. Yeah, I completely forgot what I was doing again there. Freestyling the chief. Freestyling it. <laughs> uh, we asked you the question of what is your favourite one-shot or self-contained story in the Real American Hero or Special Missions run of issues. I must say, your buddy Mark Seddon has set the tone for this question very beautifully. Okay. Because on Facebook, yep. he said that the top three have got to be 21, yep. 34, yep. and yearbook number two. Okay. The real question is, 
What is number four on the list? <laughs> Do you want to hazard a guess at how the numbers broke down, Chief? What would I hazard a guess as the fourth one? I mean, I've glanced a cursory eye over the lists, but I think we're going to find a wide and varied smattering of issues for that fourth spot. But I think those top three are probably going to be the most votes. By a long shot. By a okay. long shot. It seems to then kind of really devolve to personal taste. Okay. Uh, which is great, a nice widespread, which which just says to me that a lot of Harmer's kind of one-shot efforts were taken up with a lot of love. And it does come down to perhaps your own reception of these things, like what nostalgia it drums up in you, what joy you had with those stories, reading them for the first time. And perhaps because this does span a long period of history, like this could even have informed the way you enjoyed your action figures and your yeah. playtimes. Yeah. So that is exciting to me. And um, very heartwarming responses, man. Like yeah. oh, I could just rattle off numbers if that means anything to anyone. Issue 51... Issue 115, Counting Coup. Issue 155, which was the end of the initial A Real American Hero run, which is a great self-contained story, very poignant, great poetry from Harmer the Man. Um, We had issues 3, 5, and 8 from the early early days, which were typically all one-shots at that stage. There wasn't any overarching continuity yet. Issue 11, which I know is one of Ben's favorites, Issue 55, the unmaskings issue, though I would argue that maybe that was set into a larger continuity than, than a one-shot. Yeah. But yeah, I suppose taken on its own, it was an exciting issue for this particular respondent. Uh, issue 82, Weeding Out, which is a great focus for the, the 1988 G.I. Joes and gives us a glimpse of the final stage of G.I. Joe selection process. Yep. Fantastic. Though I always wondered what the hell Budo was doing running around with his sword. <laughs> I mean, huh? I'll tell you what okay. he's doing. He, I'll tell you what he's doing. He's doing selling toys is what he's doing. Big time, big time, yeah. big time. Uh, special missions number two, where your man Airtight is defusing the the Nazi uh, on the ice shelf. bomber. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Oh, Correct. so good. Words of honor. That's Great it. sort That's of it. double yeah. play. Fantastic. Got to say it, Diagnostic Eddie coming in strong with SFX. Yes, 85. The other silent issue. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ironically, he was the only one <laughs> well, who, who placed that on top. Well, he will be until we come to my list. Oh, my goodness. You've got a list, Chief. Jeez. Yeah, I've got a list. Uh, 98, The Return of Cobra Commander was in there. Yep. And then, oh, gosh, what else? 31, All Fall Down. Though you've disqualified that, I'm afraid. I have I have that. So I've got a Every Joe story ever. I think I sent you a link. I'm not sure if you've had a chance to have oh, a look at it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have been compiling, as listeners might know, every time I get a, a self-contained arc or single issue, I'll, I'll rank it on an ever-growing uh, list. And I'll, I will put out the link to this. I think I've said that many times. I'm not sure if I have done. But I have that issue. What did he say? He said 31, didn't he? So I have mm-hmm. it as 31 to 33, and I have that ranked as my number seventh all-time G.I. Joe story. Now, I would typically agree with you, and it, I have agreed with you up until this very moment of recording, when I recall that 31 wasn't that Rod Wiggum art, and then then they switch. Don't they Frank switch to, Springer. to Springer? Yes. So, at least on the art chores alone 
yes. it feels like it's kind of a standalone. Yes. And it's it's kind of confined to the cabin and there's you know it it ends quite quite definitively, doesn't it? It does. Well, the next issue is is where the softmaster turns up, I think, isn't it? And he's dealing yeah. with the fallout of the characters involved in the previous issue. But if you stopped reading after 31, you'd be like, "Oh my goodness." Okay, Snake Eyes dead, Firefly yeah, but dead. But you'd need Death to know Street what happened dead. next. I don't know. Maybe, sure. maybe, maybe. Hmm. Okay. Well, it could go either way, but uh, I'm seeing merits for it being a, okay. a standalone. Fair, it certainly fair, fair. is beautifully illustrated and, and worthy yep. of mention in this list. Fifty-seven got two votes, and that's Strange Bedfellows. Yes. Um, yep. I can only imagine that's a, a UK contingent voting that in because it was the, the appearance of uh, the British SAS and yep. kind of. I've got that uh, return uh, to Castle I've, Destro. I've got that number forty-three on my list of best ever story arcs. So. <laughs> It's, that seems pretty low, really. Oh, that's a seven. My, I give it seven out of ten. Look, I, I also see it somewhere in the middle. It's, it's, it's not a particular standout for me, but hey, it was seven, a standout for two seven's, respondents. Seven's not the middle. Seven's not the middle. Seven's above average. <laughs> yeah, man. But this is stuff that really <laughs> fires our life. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think, you know, if it's not cracking an eight, then don't yeah. waste your time. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then my man Jim Godfrey comes in with Special Missions 3 and Special Missions 8. Okay, interesting. Very strong entries. Yep. Three yep. is a strange one. It has the least G.I. Joe-ish cover with a blue van. You'd have to really examine it quite closely to see that these are, in fact, G.I. Joes. The stalkers yes. kind of busting out the side with a machine gun. Uh, whoever's on the top, I think it's mm, Leatherneck, maybe? Yep. But it is a very poignant story, and Jim rightfully points out that like it ends with the death of a, a very tragic character. And that's a kind of a level of emotional high that you don't get with perhaps a more technically neat self-contained issue like yes. the silent issue. Yep, so he, yep. he would wager that as a finer bit of writing than the silent issue. And I, I think there's merit to his point. Okay. Mm. Great responses from everyone as usual. Really appreciate that. And it's really nice to see a, a variety of issues being mentioned. So like you said... You know, people can find different merits in in different things that others can't. So I, I'm really, really buoyed by that. Now I am going to bore people by giving you my rundown. We gotta have it, Chiefy. So I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm going to give you the top ten, and I'm also going to give you five honourable mentions. So I'm actually going to just give you my top <gasps> fifteen. So <laughs> incredible. Get a notepad, listeners. So in fifteenth <laughs> spot, I have. Let me offend people to start with. Let's just get that out of the way. My list. Has now it's not been updated for quite some time. I've only, I've only actually ranked up to issue one hundred and forty-three. So I need to go back through all the old episodes of Talking Joe and dig out what I yo-joed stories from one forty-four up to whatever we are now one eighty-four and put these on the list. So just bear in mind I'm only going to one forty-three, and that do you, equates. Do you really, does this stuff? rank in that stuff no no just for my own sanity i just have to make it complete but of those 143 issues that for me breaks down as 100 story entries so obviously we've got multi-part stories within that so just to let you know the list is one to 100 at the moment which contains 143 issues in total and to offend people i'm going to tell you that the yearbook two story ranks at 80th on my list so there you go. Did not like the art. Um, didn't mind the art. I think Michael Golden's a very good artist, but it just overall didn't do much for me. 
True. I mean, the Joes, the Joes only make an appearance right at the end. Yeah. So if you're not a fan of like the October God, for instance, I mean, they're definitely are the stars of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Then, but yeah, it wouldn't. Anyway, so here's fifteenth uh, place. I've got Special Missions thirteen Washout. I've got absolutely no idea what happens in that. I cannot remember. Oh no, because then I say I've only got 143 issues, but I haven't because I've got issue 154, Flying the Unfriendly Skies, which is a roadblock doing a kind of passenger 57. Dude, Washout is when, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Mangler. Ah, yes. Killed. Okay, fine. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, man. Uh, then I go to 13th on my list is Special Missions 12, Air Show, which is <laughs> Interesting. where they go to an air show and Firefly steals the... What does he steal? The Vector Jet. That's it, the and Vector. And somehow uh, Maverick is able to catch up to him in a crop duster. Oh, That's it. man. You got it. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any kind of air combat I love. <laughs> uh, then, we go to, then we go to issue 50... Of Real American Hero had a special missions preview story called Best Defense, where Beachhead and some others infiltrate a a plane which has been hijacked. Okay. Then yep. nice. Uh, then I go executive decision. Yeah. Then I go to issue twenty two, like chimney sweepers come to dust, which is a it's a downtime issue where everyone's in the pit, kind of rebuilding it, and Gung Ho I think is on someone's shoulders, banging in nails with his hand. Love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Then we go to the top 10. Uh, issue 11, the pipeline ploy, which is the introduction of Destro. Mm-hmm. Then we go to issue 80, Rolling Thunder, which is the introduction of the Rolling Thunder. Mm. Which is definitely a one-shot. Absolutely. Yes, yes. I know. Then we go to issue 84, Converging Destinies, which is the, the Zartan kind of origin piece. Then we go to uh, Special Missions 8, Ambush, which is uh, Jim's selection. Oh, nice. Then we come to issue 24, The Commander Escapes, which is the one where they mm. capture Cobra Commander. He's on the mountaintop and he escapes. This has got uh, fantastic Russ Heath art. Yeah, man. does set itself apart. The Baroness looks better than ever in that issue. Gee yeah. Whiz. Then we come to top five, Special Missions Issue 1, That Sinking Feeling. Hmm. Interesting. So that's, that's where you've got October Guard, you've got Joes, and you've got Cobra all kind of converging. Loads of intrigue. And yep. I love Duke's line at the end, or was it Hawk, who says that's the, the perfect mission because the Joes didn't fire a shot. That's it. That's it. Mm. Uh, top four uh, Special Missions, issue 23, Scoop. Hmm. Can't nice. remember what happens in that one. But. <laughs> uh, it's Scoop's induction into sort of a, a, a covert mission. It's very heavy on the, um, like the protocols. Like they're okay. kind of they're they're, they're effectively vicariously um, teaching the reader. Yes. Like Larry's telling them all about standard operating procedures. Like, don't ever leave a drop of water in your canteen because it'll okay. be sloshing around, and give you away, stuff like that. Has it got Stalker in it? And they're in the jungle. Yeah. 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 Starts off on the deck of the USS Flag. They're kind of testing their weapons. There's a guy. There's a kid with a water buffalo. Is that the one? Uh, uh, no, that's the earlier one. Okay, All so right. it's a, it's similar to issue eight, I think it was. Right. Okay. Yes. Special yes. missions eight. Mm. Uh, then I go for issue eighty-five SFX as my number three spot, nice. which is the second silent issue. Then I go for silent interlude, and my top spot is Shakedown, which I think was a lot of people's top choices, especially if you excluded uh, the silent issue. Yep. 
Yeah, you know, eleven people picked twenty-one, which is the top dog. Thirty-four, yep. which is Shakedown, got nine respondents putting it uh, in their in their their listings, uh, and then Yearbook Two got five of the people that yep. responded. Yep. I've got a fantastic piece of original art from a guy called Keith Burns, who was the artist on Garth Ennis's The Boys book alongside John McCrea, and he's didn't do much comic work. Oh, actually, he had to, actually did do that really good series with um, Garth Ennis, the uh, Johnny Red eight issue series, eight issue miniseries, which I don't know mm. if you've read that about the the pilot Johnny Red. Really, really good. Um, but I know I, Johnny Red, but I don't know the eight issue series. So there's a recent one, maybe in the last sort oh, of five okay. years. Nice. So check that out. Most definitely check that out. Um, really, really good. But uh, he's he's kind of more gone into now military fine art. And um, mm. he actually, before Good. he did that, uh, I got a commission from him. I took a scene from issue 34, Shakedown, and he added a few nice little extras in of Hardmaster driving a car with candy and Chief <gasps> on, a, on a number plate. And uh, so I'm going to post that up, but that's kind of one of my favourite pieces of original art that I own. But yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing that. What about yourself? <laughs> Uh, it's going to come out of left field, but I cannot deny that it is my favorites to this day. Special Missions issue number 20. Okay. Let me just, uh, let me just plug that into my chart. Control, control F, special 20. <laughs> Let's see. It's going to break your mind, Chief. But this was my most played out scenario with my toys because I owned the Cobra Wolf. And I owned a tiger sting, which stood in for the snowcat. But I regard issue 20 of Special Missions as shakedown for the snowcat and wolf. Okay, interesting. Plus a third faction in the October God. I love, love, love this issue because the action is very centered around the capabilities of the vehicles. And I I love G.I. Joe action figures. But for me, it's always been the vehicles that have been the draw card. So anytime you're working in actual technical detail when it comes to the hardware, yep. I'm all ears, man. Particularly okay. technical detail then, that I could then have injected into my playtimes. And yep. Snowblind was such an issue. I just, I loved the idea of being caught in a whiteout. Yeah. And not being able to see, in, you know, 100 meters in front of you, but being forced to fight in those conditions. It made for a very tense land battle, which kind of feels to me like submarine warfare you know what i mean yeah definitely very strategic very they're using their like their uh, infrared scanners all the time to try and catch the the heat signature of the enemy vehicles i love this issue intensely chief yeah i've got it i've got it listed uh ranked as my 67th favorite gi joe story of all time well what do you know chief (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah i must say when i was listening to you and chris um rate and review this issue i was like you were screaming screaming into my radio buddy (laughs) where did he put it i'm just trying to see where he put it he put it uh yeah he gave it seven out of ten i'll give it seven out of ten man so that you know for the chief seven out of ten is good but i know you want to give it ten out of ten but anyway yeah 
It's a solid 10. Yeah, Nothing yeah. but. <laughs> Good stuff. I think that's all we have on the agenda tonight. Good stuff. Today. Yep, there'll be more questions <laughs> next week. If you want to uh, check out what we're posting, I, I, I'm assuming that most people listening are, are checking out some of the socials. But if you're not, you can find us on Talking underscore Joe on Twitter. You can find us on Talking Joe Comics on Instagram. And you can find us on Talking Joe, a G.I. Joe podcast on the Facebook. Where can the good people find your work, sir? Typically, in any place that you find Talking Joe, I will be monitoring those feeds so you can call me out. But if you really want to have a private word, <laughs> if yes. there's something I've done to offend you, if there's something I've done that uh, demands your praise, you can get hold of me at a real South African hero at gmail.com. Yes. Um, I do just want to do a quick amendment to the previous segment because I forgot that Sam Myers had sent us an email and because he's he's not on the socials at the moment, but he says... 21 is a triumph of storytelling, but he would like to say issue 26, but I'm saying that's the first part of a two-part Snake Eyes origin, so we can't have that. So then he says, honourable mentions, 34, yes, 85, yes, 45, which I have on my list as the start of the Cobra Island shenanigans arc 45 to 48 so i'm going to disqualify that special missions 5 special missions 13 and special missions 8 so sam i think i, I agree with you on most of those but uh, good stuff chief judge jury execution <laughs> i can tell you're a dread fan all right yeah. chiefy i will check in with you a week from now my brother yes my friend uh we will with all that said and done we will see you down the road yo joe yo joe